0: you sure? Okay. Well, look, just put that aside for a minute. Any any stress and worries and woes. The main thing is, right now that you're here, this is the podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and subscribing. It's good news because this week is episode 80 and we meet the actor Jemima Roper. There's a lot of laughter in this episode. Um, a lot of talk as well, obviously. Um, more of that in a second. Now, we've had an overwhelming response to the uh, the badges, the limited edition Two Shot Podcast badges. And we're just getting all the names and addresses. We're going to do a big badge post-off very, very soon. So hold your horses and don't worry. And if you do still want a badge, there are a few left. Go to patreon.com Two Shot Podcast and uh, help us out with whatever you can. And uh, we'll see what we can do with getting you a badge. All the details are on there. I might even repost the little mini episode. It's only a few minutes, just tells you exactly what we're trying to do and how you can help. I might repost that later on today on Thursday. So, um, oh, another thing. As I'm recording this right now, there are a handful of tickets left for the two shot podcast live at the bfi with the one and only mr richard e grant um so what's that can you hear that that's the cat in the background i've shut the doors trying to get a piece bit of peace and quiet to record this he's having none of it so yeah if you quick fingers on buzzers Go to the BFI website and see if you can snag yourself a ticket. If you've already got one, fantastic. I'll see you there. It's going to be a brilliant night. It's Sunday, April the 14th, 7 o'clock start. Bang on, get to about 6.45. Grab your drink, grab your seat, and let's get cracking and have a good natter with Richard. I'm very excited about that. And another thing I'm excited about, this. It's episode 80 with the fantastic Jemima Rupa We talk all sorts of stuff, Um, parenting, work, growing up in London, and even filthy bedsheets. This is episode 80 of the Two Shot Podcast with the fantastic Jemima Rupert. Enjoy. I'll see you in a bit.
1: I haven't seen her for ages. Um, I think the last time I saw her was just after she was announced as Doctor Who oh, we were in the really? playground
0: with our kids. Oh, did you go to the <laughs> ta- same school?
1: No. Um, they, uh, we just ne- sort of we were just near and we've got a very good mutual friend yeah. who's also, and we've all got kids sort of similar age.
0: Small community. Yeah. I was getting up this morning. I so thought I wouldn't put my, because you know, this weather's been weird. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday, it was, I had my summer shirt on, and now I thought I'm going to London and I'll look at the forecast and I know it's going to be fisting it down. So it's going to be cold. So I get my jumper on. I thought, I'd put my jumper on. I get it and look in the mirror, and then I realise I've got this. Can you see this? Sort of stain. There? <laughs> I, it's like a new jumper, and I know it's fresh out of the washer, so yeah. I know that I've done a job. And now I'm thinking, I know I'm going to. I'm having a chat with mum later or something, and I'll go. Oh, so I've got this bloody stain, and without knowing, she'll go. Do you know what you need to do? Right, you need some bicarbonate soda, and some uh, cider vinegar, mix it together, put it on, pop it in the washer, job done. Now, is that a generational thing? Because I'm as a parent, I can barely sort of bleed a radiator. Yeah. Whereas I think I mentioned something about a breadboard to my dad next few weeks, and then he was coming down to our house. Yeah, oh, made you a breadboard. Like, he's fucking made it. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to begin with it. Like, it's proper breadboard with that like, handle and everything.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Are you, what are you like as a parent?
1: Uh... I don't make breadboards. <laughs> do, I, who I don't use bicarbon- <laughs> bicarbonate of sodium to get rid of stains. But they seem
0: to know I don't even these things. iron. I
1: don't iron. I have an iron. But I have I think my son has watched me iron something once. But I think I tend to buy clothes that I don't need to iron. Or if I do need to iron, I don't wear them. Or Crease I don't put them on. Yeah.
0: You're not one of those. I used to have a girlfriend and she'd go, I don't iron. But what she used to do was come out of the, uh, the washing machine and shake the fuck yeah, out of Yeah, th- I do that. I do that. And then she goes. There's no need to iron. Yeah. See, I personally, I quite like an iron. I got some. Someone, someone actually told me off for ironing my jeans. But I like the not feet. a crease down the front. I like it. no, not a crease down the front. I'm not that bad. But I do like an iron jeans. That's terrible. Mm. Is that mm.
1: terrible? No. I wish. I'd like to be the kind of person that ironed bedsheets. I'd like to be the kind of person that washed <sighs> bedsheets more than
0: once every what six you months. You're crossing a line here. <laughs> We're going into cleanliness and just sort of aesthetically pleasing, sort of <laughs> nice sheets. <laughs> no, fuck ironing a sheet. That takes ages. Get yeah. it around? Oh, no, no, I can't yeah. bother with that. I'm too, that's, I'm too small. That's a shake. I'm but the, the the washing thing, I think we need to have quite a, <laughs> at least have at least an hour's discussion on that. I
1: change my pajamas. I wear a lot of clothes right. to bed,
0: <laughs> so, and so, you I could, think so I figure that I have you, clean
1: pajamas. So there's a clean layer between me and bed sheets. So
0: You basically wear like a hazmat suit, yeah. just to go to bed, so you're not near exactly. the sheets. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's 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 a way. It's a form of going <laughs> to sleep, I suppose, but. Yeah, we should get onto that. All complaints, uh, jemima dot about her cleanliness. <laughs> what were your parents like? Were your parents hands on? Were they hands on parents? Um,
1: they they both worked a lot. What um,
0: what what, are they, what was your mum?
1: My mum was well. She was she was a teacher. She went to drama school, but as a but as a voice teacher, did she? And um, so she was qualified to teach voice, but she ended up uh teaching in schools, uh, in some quite like rough. State schools in London, yeah, and then you're you're
0: you're west, aren't you? Yeah, I was
1: born in Hammersmith, right? Yeah, and um, and but then I don't know quite how this happened, but she then got into radio and she used to do hospital radio or something, and then she got into broadcasting, no, um, as a like newsreader or announcer because she um, probably had this.
0: She silky voice. She
1: has, yeah. She, I mean, she used to. She now does what you do. Oh, does know, va- Yeah, constantly vaporise And um, uh, at, least,
0: at least she's not smoking.
1: Well, yeah, exactly, because she was, like, 50 a day. Was she? For, yeah, that is, decades that and is, decades.
0: That is professional.
1: But she sounded amazing. <laughs> she still does. I know um. somebody that went, <laughs>
0: years ago, she went, no, I can't give up smoking, because what if I, I lose the voice? Mm. You know, so it's like, fucking just stop it.
1: There are a generation of of actors, I think, that do have all those incredible...
0: Rich. Yeah. Yeah deep <laughs> <laughs> not, anymore. not they, anymore they've gone <laughs> it's the old ones that probably used to do a play and then pop to the coaching horses at the yeah. interval and have two pints and then get back and go and do the play yeah did you ever read that book um called hellraisers
1: no so it's the sto- no i know oh my yeah. god
0: some stories of peter o'toole yeah and richard burton and oliver reed Absolutely fantastic read!
1: Isn't there? There's that classic one where someone was sat in a box and Peter O'Toole like came in and there suddenly his cue arrived and he was like, "Oh, I'm in this scene!"
0: So <laughs> <And then> like, <laughs> like run out. There's also one about Richard Burton. Who I think he was doing Camelot, the musical. Yeah, and rode his horse to the Coach and Horses pub. <laughs> Through Soho. So <laughs> and then roll back. Now, whether that's true, I, I, I want that to be true so much. I
1: want that to be true. I wish it was still like that. dear. A bit. I feel like I'm one of the last boozy actors.
0: <laughs> now, have you heard this podcast? Now, you're definitely not, so you're fine.
1: Um, or at least on the cusp, I feel like, actually, no, I've got a few younger friends that... I like that. I mean, it's much better. They're much better behaved and look after themselves. And but all the younger ones, they all go to the gym every day. And yeah. And they, you know, and they're all vegans and they're all, and it's all stuff that you know I would like to be able to do myself.
0: But but look, come on, let's concentrate on washing the bed sheets before you even attempt <laughs> to go down the gym. Come on, <laughs> priorities, please. Let's go back to your mum getting into radio. Yeah
1: yeah well she she ended years uh at radio four b b c radio four she did like t v for a bit when i was really young mm. she was at uh she was in southampton a lot doing world service t v reading the news on world service t v and then she got into b b c radio and was at radio four for ages and then radio three and now she's
0: it stops stopped it all yeah and what was where was your dad at this this point he
1: was uh he was at the b b c both of them didn't have necessarily the best without I because I don't know enough about it, um, but they didn't have the best time in the end there. My my mum's Serbian, and during the NATO bombing of uh, Yugoslavia uh, would write bollocks on her script no. and they got really <laughs> panicky that she was going to say something on air. <laughs> and um, and uh, so she sort of stopped having shifts for a while and it all got a bit. Weird, yeah, and um, and so then she moved to Radio Three and had a much nicer time. Happier time, yeah.
0: yeah. And was um, she enjoying? Was she enjoying what she was doing then? Well, obviously, yeah. Um, and what was your dad doing at the BBC? He
1: he was head of secretariat. It was sort of a a sort of high up office job. What
0: is that? But then What's he, head
1: of that? I don't know. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember being ill once and having to go into the office. I had no clue what was going on. Um, uh. Uh, but he also did, when I was really little, was away with film crews doing news reels in other countries. Mm. So he'd often be going to Germany for three or four days or going here and there and would direct the news crews. And who was um, who
0: was looking after you at this point? Uh,
1: au-pairs. You had au-pairs? Yeah. Were they
0: sort of live in, are they the live-in...? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, one of whom is uh, still a really, really, really good friend. She looked after me when I was really little. She yeah. was sixteen really? when she came, and I think my dad helped her get her GCSEs that she needed to study to become a nurse. No and, um, way! And she's one of like four sisters, and she's always just and she looked after me again when I was six, I think. And she's, she's been a always been in, in the family. Yeah,
0: that's so lovely. Yeah. How amazing your dad to do that? Yeah. We started because we started so seamlessly. I forgot to tell you, and I don't know if I have told you. And we can cut this out for one or not. But um, we give all guests full editorial control over the episode. Okay. So after we finish, we'll send it you. And if there's anything you want edited out, then it's totally fine. So then no one's self-editing as we go along. Do you know what yes. I mean? So it's not like a journalistic any interview that you've done. Yeah, you're you're yeah. in control. Because so I anything. will put my foot in That's my totally mouth. That's totally fine. I'm sure. Yeah, you, you, you listen to podcasts, don't you? Mm. Yeah, so you've heard a few, and we have to bleep certain things. And uh, Griff sort of has his work cut out sometimes with some people, but, you know, <laughs> that's that's what I was meaning to tell you. Um, were you <clears throat> did you find your mum and dad being away so much? Because presumably working quite odd hours as well. mm Were you missing them quite a lot, or missing that mother and father figure?
1: Yeah, I think I probably did. Um, At at the time, because, you know, kids, you just... You accept what's there and what's not there. And um, And and I never wanted for anything. You know, I had a lovely upbringing. But as an only child, I get very nervous of my child being an only child. Um, It's sort of a lot of time on your own and sort of a lot of... uh, I think you get quite introspective very early on and quite stuck in your own head were you like Were you like that? Yeah. And, um, uh, but I remember, and it's kind of interesting now because what I hate about me being a parent and the unpredictable hours or locations or like i feel like i'm either at home all the time yeah or i'm just suddenly gone away and that for makes a chunk of time my son sort of more insecure or more because he can't sort of understand how old is he, how he works. he's three and three quarters
0: right okay and um because i had this conversation about the only child stuff yeah because we've only got one yeah and we were away with some friends at half term and they've just had like a a six-month-old baby after quite a long time. Yeah, and you know sometimes you're with another baby and you might feel a bit sort of broody. Yeah, none of that. <laughs> I didn't feel that at all. I mean, beautiful kid. Yeah, but like that ship sailed. I'm I'm very happy. Yeah, and we've even had this conversation with our son, and he's gone. Nah, I'm all right. I'm F- fine. I'm <laughs> fine. Because <laughs> at first you do worry about that because that, you know I'm one of three. My wife's one of five. Yeah, and you do go, oh, well, you want that sort of big family sort of dynamic, don't you? Do you? I don't know. You sort uh, of go, what fits for you?
1: I think if you're aware of it and the things that they don't have that you can sort of help with, yeah. then it's all right. Um, uh, and I I think, like, because I started acting when I was 13, and if I'd had siblings and stuff, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that because yeah. my mum wouldn't have had time to take me to auditions or do that or help that so you know I can't really
0: complain and you can't really regret all that no so what when did all this start for you at 13 because well <laughs> I don't want to get into it I have spoken about young child actors before and some, <laughs> some, somebody gave me a right old hat harassing on social media going, not all kid child kids are like that I said no I know I've worked with load and they're absolutely lovely but obviously it wasn't something that your mum and Dad pushed you into. No,
1: no, no. <laughs> this, this comes mom, straight from you. Yes, and and I don't really know. I think there was a there was I, I I was aware of a girl who at my junior school who was a bit older who was in Grange Hill. Right, and so there was something that I went oh, you can do that, and I think it was watching watching movies like Oliver and Annie and seeing kids in make believe. Yeah, but like doing it that sort of I guess was. What I sort of what captured my imagination, but I can't really remember. Sort of was, deciding. Was, the- was there
0: any outlet at school for that? When you
1: no, um, and I did a lot of stuff out of school, and there was like a local drama group, um, and I did a production of Oliver, playing the Artful Dodger. I knew you were going to say the your- <laughs> art. I fucking knew that <laughs> in my head. Then I went,
0: Artful oh, Dodger, definitely.
1: Hmm. Well, it was very funny because me and the boy who ended up playing Oliver, who is now, uh, the rapper example. No, Ellie, he's not. Elliot Glee,
0: <laughs> That is brilliant. <laughs> Elliot,
1: it, we were down to the last, and I remember the, the final things, the director made us stand next to each other. And I was much smaller than <laughs> Elliot. And I was like, because that wasn't like, fuck. Cause I was nine or 10. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to be Oliver because I'm smaller. And I was like, oh, and then it wasn't. It was cast that way around. And I think Elliot was really cross because everyone wants to be the Dodger and not
0: no, not of Oliver. Course. <laughs> no. Who wants to be Oliver? <laughs> Nobody wants. You know, you want to forward that. Who wants to hear where is love? You don't <laughs> want that. I don't care. You little shit.
1: <laughs> we breaking boys. Let's get
0: back to the pickpocketing. That's what everybody wants to say. Yes. So that was the extracurricular stuff, but there was nothing at school for you?
1: Not really. I mean, that was that was junior school. I, I think most of my schools I've been to have been to like quite academic schools and, and not good on the arts.
0: Am I um, right in thinking that you're very... Clever. Clever at school?
1: <laughs> uh, I... I did all right. I was quite naughty at secondary school. Uh, Define naughty? Disruptive, giggly. I was always the yeah, mouthy. Yeah, and uh, but I was always the one that would probably be laughing, so I'd get caught out. But actually, it was someone else making me laugh.
0: Exactly, one of those. Yeah, yeah, we've all been there.
1: Um, and when I first got my first proper job, I had to go away and miss school at thirteen. Yeah, and they uh, they were like. She she can only go if she comes back and keeps her grades and is better. And then that sort of helped me knuckle down a bit when I came back.
0: But you obviously have to have, like, a, a tutor with you when you were filming.
1: Yeah. We'd do, like, she... quizzes on James Bond. <laughs> and he'd fall asleep when we'd put stuff in his mouth.
0: <laughs> really? God, you were naughty.
1: <laughs> that wasn't me, that was the boys.
0: Yeah, blame the others. Okay, yeah. So then you went back to school, how was it doing that first job at thirteen Oh then? my god,
1: it was it was magic. It was did you ever read Enid Blyton as a kid? It
0: um was... Is that Magic Faraway tree? Yes. Yeah, I used to read all those. Famous Five, not so much.
1: Yeah, famous five is what I did and mm. I uh grown up. Reading loads of famous five and had oh. always identified a little bit with the character that I ended up playing. Oh, really? Um, who was what? a tomboy, and um, there's a lot of there's been a lot of cross dressing in my career and sort of borderline either like lesbians or just playing men, and um, and that was sort of Artful Dodger was the first. Yeah. God, that is and, so uh, true. Just, I've
0: never really thought of that. Yeah, but it is obviously
1: ghosts, men, <laughs>
0: <laughs> cross dressers, lesbians. Tick, tick, tick. Um,
1: yeah. Um, and uh, we went through a really, really long audition process. And um, it it was quite traumatic at the time because I think I had about five auditions and two of them were like full days where they were bringing different combinations of kids in with each other. Right, so mixing and matching, us, yeah. so workshopping. And then we'd all go and sit and wait downstairs and then they'd come and like, what's your name? You can go... And, um, brutal. And it, yeah, pretty brutal. And um, But it ended up going, happening. Going, going alive. Yeah. And then um, it was just the most fun I'd ever had in my entire life. And I was doing what I loved. I loved being on set. Uh, it was hilarious. I mean, some of the stories... <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be allowed now. Like, just some of the things that we saw... <laughs>
0: It's okay. You can you can tell them on this podcast. It's absolutely Just, fine.
1: You know, assistant directors in jail for the night for being drunk and disorderly. I <laughs> really? <are> like. No. <laughs> I won't name any names.
0: So right, um, we, we can beep it out.
1: But Lo like, um, and our our producer John Price who was amazing. We had like animals. We had like chimpanzees. We had a baby elephant in one episode. Oh my god! And we had all these incredible actors, guest actors, come in for like a week to do episodes and. Um, we were away on location, so we were in hotels. There was like the second series, we uh, had a, had chalets at Butlins. Oh, you
0: did another series after that? Yeah,
1: we did it for two years. Well, four months each yeah. year for two years. Um, and uh, and there were lots of not so easy things about it, like going through puberty on screen. I was
0: going to say because <laughs> thirteen, especially when you're a girl, everything's changing. Yeah. And you're also doing like, because that was like your first job. So you're dealing with all this and you're dealing with what's going on with your body. And How was that? Uh,
1: Not not good. I mean, I feel like everyone I went to school with got away with puberty so well and I really didn't. I was very, um, I started the Famous Five and I looked like a little little boy and then by the end i was like a sack of potatoes it <laughs> <laughs> was just and they had to cut my hair off and perm it so it wasn't a good look anyway for oh a... god it was great for the part but 1950s. not for you yeah. yeah but not for me and um uh you yeah, know the boys were constantly taking the piss out of me and i'd wear a lot of hats
0: yeah uh cuz i suppose if you were at, if you're at school you would have had the support group of, like, your other friends, your other girls, and you were, you could talk about what you were all going through, but then you are on set and...
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: There's nothing there. W- yeah. Was your, was your mum and dad around? They must have been around coming on to set and...
1: Not really. They, they visited, like, all of our parents would come, like, maybe once on the street, but we were quite far. The first year we were in, just out, we were staying in Newcastle. Right. And so we were back at weekends, but we were back and forth, but it was just too far... Um and I think they yeah, all of the parents sort of did a visit, a set visit at certain points, but otherwise we were with our chaperone and our tutor. Um lovely Steve Fletcher, Dexter Fletcher's dad. He was your chaperone. Yeah. He was our tutor.
0: Is he the one that used to put things in his mouth? Yeah, when
1: he was go to sleep. <laughs> He was great. And actually, the second year, he was brilliant because my... The other kids, their schools were quite... Um, they were just really cool about it and, like, really easygoing. And mine were... I mean, they, we did summer exams and I was 14. And they I had to do my summer exams while I was away. And I was sort of doing them, you know, after a day's filming, having learnt lines for the next day. Oh it was God. doing, like, some kind of science exam at 11pm. and um, And Steve was... Brilliant at just sort of keeping me really chilled out about it, and just being like whatever, and just sort of supporting and doing that. So he he looked out for me.
0: Are you good in those kind of situations anyway? Would you say in, in an exam situation?
1: Mm, no, I mean I sort of was at the time, I think, but now I'd, I now I absolutely go to pieces. Because
0: obviously, you know, the pressure of an exam and the pressure of going to a, an audition. Even at, the, at that age, yeah. you know, there's such a, a, a similar.
1: I find it worse now. What, because, what because, like, you, or,
0: because you know more.
1: Yeah, can you? I can feel in the room when there's, and not that you ever meet anyone anymore. Um, It's a very
0: rare thing now, isn't it?
1: It's a really rare thing. I liked it when you could go and talk to people and sort of persuade them (laughs) with your personality.
0: But it's true, isn't it, though? Yeah. It's true because half of that is you're going, right, well, I'm going to be here every day and I'll be playing that part, but you need to know that I'm all right, I'm I'm a decent person and we'll get on, hopefully. But then it's a two-way thing. Yeah. You want to go, well, you're going to be directing me, you're gonna be my yeah. producer. What if Yeah, I what don't want to work you're, with you. What you're if a, you're knob. a dickhead. <laughs> no way I yeah. can't do that. I can't do three or four months of that. So easier as a child no, harder growing up because you know more. Or because yeah. Or is it either because you know more or you're older or it's changed?
1: Both. Both. I think there's like, I, I I get more nervous now, and especially the whole kind of, like, if you have to, like, learn lines for something that you've not even read the script
0: for. Yeah, because you're not allowed it. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and actually, the scene is from something completely different that has nothing to do with what you're auditioning for. And, um, get your uh, head around that. I find that really hard and yeah. really stressful, and I don't like it. And so I prefer to, like, do the self-tape at home. But then uh, I get really anxious about self-tapes and could spend hours doing them because then I'll look and go, but oh, well, they can see my wonky eye and then they will going to me because yeah. my eye is down <clears throat> by my chin and this and this and whatever and you get in a whole world Have you ever
0: of... not watched? No. No. Why do you try and not watch it? <laughs> well, because, and now I'm only really saying that, because if you're, on, if you're at work on set after you've yeah. finished a scene, you don't pop around and... Go and watch it, dear. No. So
1: I should though. I no. Just saw
0: some- <laughs> I don't think you should. I don't think you should. I'm dead against it.
1: I just saw some. That's ADR. not your. That's Everyone's not your like, job. Oh, in my head, I look like I'm like I'm Kira Knightley. <laughs> 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 and then I see it and go, oh, oh yeah. Okay. So that's why I play men. <laughs> but
0: that's it. You know. Do we? Are we too worried about that? Should we go, well, no, because my job is this, and everybody's got their jobs in their department.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: you wouldn't think twice, I mean, you would never think twice of going up and going, see that light, maybe you want to just sort of move it that way. <laughs> Imagine. Some do. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I've seen, I've seen, yeah. Have you? Yeah.
0: Oh, no, I can't, I've learnt very quickly not to get yeah. involved with other people's business. Oh. Well, it's kind of a rule for life, really, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Though I remember, like, because when kids on set, we were allowed to just, like... I remember just, like, loving going to pick up wedges from tracks and, like, helping collect all the wedges. And, like, in that felt really nice and hands-on. And then as an adult, <laughs> you try to do the same Can you imagine? <laughs> what are you give doing? Us the, give
0: us that tape. I'll mark like, myself on the floor. It's great. What are
1: you doing? It's like, sit there, <laughs> drink coffee. <laughs> Can you
0: imagine, though, kids nowadays on set wouldn't wouldn't be allowed to be doing things no. like that? not at all. No. So as has got very noisy to hammer, I thought we I better know. lean closer into the mic. Much closer. So you finished that second series. Yeah. And you're you're 14. Mm. Things are changing all over the shop. But that's done. That's that job's done. Yeah. You're back you're going back to school. Yeah. How did that How did that feel?
1: Awful. Um I especially the first after the first year when I was still 13. I remember I got back and I I did proper grieving. I used to think that I saw People from the crew, like, every day. Yeah. catching my eye. And I think it was pretty miserable. And also I hated school. Hated it. Why did you
0: hate it so much? It
1: just wasn't for me. (laughs) Um, It felt – I don't know. I think uh, there was – there were expectations maybe more from my mum who hadn't gone to university and sort of wanted –
0: Oh that's, that she wanted to me. live that precariously through you. Yeah, but also just
1: also because I did all right at school. I think I could I think, go. I think know? I
0: think you did probably very well at school.
1: If you read my IMDB it tells you all about it which was written by my mum. <laughs> was it? I was like, "Mum, no one cares if <laughs> I got 90s yet."
0: <laughs> that is fantastic.
1: My you past.
0: So the A, the A, the A plus student is written by your mum.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm half in love with your mum already. To be honest, she sounds ace.
1: She's very funny. So, um, so she
0: must. Your mum and dad must have been very supportive of you when you were a child doing what you wanted to do.
1: Yes, it took me. A number of years of kind of like relentless doing. yeah relentless like let me do this let me do this let me do this and i think mom because basically what happened is a sort of old friend of hers who was a casting director saw me play artful dodger and cast me in these uh channel four and this company the children's film unit used to make a film every year yeah. during summer holidays and teenagers would learn how to do the Camera and sound and stuff, and they would write a movie and then kind cast of it.
0: Brilliant! Brilliant!
1: I wish it was. maybe it is in some capacity, but then I think that a newspaper was involved with it and helped fund it, and and it would get on telly. Oh,
0: and um, can you imagine something like that and lots of things like that going on?
1: Yeah, but there's so many like, and that's the thing that I really like opened my eyes as a kid was seeing all these jobs, all these different kinds of jobs that you can do, and you know, on a set. There's someone who can do anything for you. There's someone who can make you a cupboard. There's someone who can paint that. There's someone who can make take your, the most beautiful
0: photographs. Make, make, <laughs> make you a breadboard.
1: Make you a breadboard. I'll
0: it. i it all, it all <laughs> See, it, see, you people think these conversations aren't planned. It's all <laughs> planned. It's meticulous.
1: Seamless. And um that was so exciting to me. And I, I, I can't make my point now.
0: No, but the thing is, if things like that were still available. For everybody throughout the summer holidays, you know, because I know there's places, there's you know Oldham Theatre Workshop and mm. uh, Nottingham Television Workshop where they they get to do lots of little things and they get to do writing, they get to do the camera. Well, all work. the
1: all the Shane Meadows yeah. lot, and actually there were loads, um, in fact, loads of people that I work with on the Famous Five, all from the Nottingham Workshop, right? And because they did like a whole full UK kind of scouring the land, mm. and um, and so yeah, all those. Uh, drama workshops and stuff are the ones that did the best and had and the kids all were working um, and doing stuff and there were all these opportunities because
0: they're inspired you know there's so many I get emails from people sort of week in week out and very young people who can't can't go to drama school for all sorts of reasons you know mainly financial they go I've got a place but I've got no money so I can't do it what can I do next and if things like this were available for like you know 16 to 24 year olds for for very little money. Yeah. That'd be helping them and inspire them to, to do other yeah. things, to, you know, pick up, a, every, you've all got smartphones now, pick up a bloody phone, make your little yeah. film. You you can, you know, you can do this.
1: Yeah. Oh. And I've got a little, especially when, so sort of between the ages of like 18 and my early 20s, when everyone else is at drama school, mm. I had a little gang and we were all the child actors that were just sort of... Keeping going, yeah, and um, and they are all still working. A lot of them are making their own stuff as well and doing all that. And that there are so many different routes into the same thing, which I think is really important to know. And that there isn't just this one track no. thing. But yeah, acting I think is really hard if you don't live in London and you're somewhere else and you can't afford or you don't get into drama school
0: then what do you do? But again, necessarily, as you just said, there's so many different paths and that's, it might not be the right path for everybody. Yeah. You know, I've spoken to so many people who didn't, you know, who might have been doing some stand-up comedy and then they fell into acting yeah. or they're a bloody cleaner and then yeah. they, someone saw, you know, there's so many things that, that can happen, but I know it's frustrating for people. I, I really know it is. I'm not saying it's easy yeah. at all because it really isn't. Um, Did you go to I did go to drama school, Mountview.
1: Ah, yeah. They've but moved, I, but I they've, live near
0: there. They've moved to Peckham. Yeah. and have got a very nice campus now, which I must go and visit. But I was very young. I was 17. Yeah. Just on the cusp. Yeah. You know. um, was I too young? I don't know. Anyway, who mm. gives a shit? It's not about me. It's about <laughs> you. So your mum's friend was a casting director. Yes. <coughs> That's where we were.
1: Yeah, and so she. Yeah, and so I did a, a film for the children's film unit uh, is, when I was eleven. Eleven. Yeah. So this is
0: before yes, Five? Yes, because
1: that was my first proper proper, proper proper job. Right. Um. Uh. And I. And then she also cast me in a little musical at the Kings Head Theatre pub. It the next year a- playing one of Oscar Wilde's sons. Yeah. Yeah. That was another boy. Part. <laughs> and the boy playing my brother was at my boys' school. Uh, but his agent was Sylvia Young. Righto. So that was when he knew that you could go to school like a normal kid, but also have an agent. And I joined Sylvia Young's. And then I did Saturday classes. There. From 11 to, yeah, till 13, really, right. and then a little bit um, beyond. Uh, and summer courses there and all sorts. And i do... Modern jazz <laughs> tap tick, tick and singing, tick. yeah, and um, and it also, and it took a while for Sylvia and I guess some of the other agents and stuff to kind of spot people, and I remember sort of I'd get invited to go and sing in the choirs with the full time kids, um and so I had a little bit of that, and I was desperate to go to the school. That's what I would have wanted to do, I'm kind of in hindsight, I'm glad that you know, I had the version that I had um, in the long run, which was normal school and college and stuff. Um, But I was, yeah, I mean, I was completely, I was terrified by Sylvia Young Theatre School. I was terrified of all the other kids who were so accomplished and kind of brilliant and just in this machine. But at the same time, I just wanted to that
0: because you were with a load of like-minded people who who wanted something just like you I was
1: obsessed and stubborn I guess and just completely one-track minded which I think was the thing that really worried my mum about it because it's it's a lot and you know she she lived with actors when she was you know in her late teens and early 20s and she knew that it's a precarious life and you wouldn't want that for your child
0: no of course and, um, so, do, do do you think, in hindsight, that she was thinking, "Well, let's she can get it out of a system now"? Yeah.
1: Oh, completely. And I think she thought, uh, you know, going to a few auditions and getting rejected and whatever would sort of She'll be learn enough. Quick. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is that you do, but something keeps you going back for more, but, more know, and more rejection.
0: Kids are kind of bulletproof, though. Yeah. I think you know. You were saying before, oh no, it's got harder, but it wasn't. It wasn't that hard when you were a you were a kid, because it's got no. harder because you know. Do we lose that sense of we brush it off and we move on yeah. to the next? We hold. Yeah. Do we hold things yeah. much more now in, in everything in, in everyday life? Yeah. We do hold on to things a bit more, don't we?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> she says definitely. Definitely.
1: Due for another therapy session soon.
0: Um. So after school, you're thinking. Your mum's thinking maybe she's growing. She's going to grow out of this. Were you thinking, "Oh no, I'm going to grow out of this"? Or were you quite tunnel vision? No. Oh, about tu-
1: it? Oh, tunnel vision. And i I would work every summer holiday. Would also when i when I was doing when I was a kid, you could only work forty days a year or eighty days a year until you were sixteen. And then when you were sixteen, you uh, unchaperoned and you're an adult. Yeah. And um, I went to a six-born college for my A-levels who we were very flexible. So they would sort of say, yeah, you can, they, they weren't worried if I took a term off. You could kind of, like, catch up a bit. Oh, that is flexible. And, um, and so I did, like, a few jobs. And the second year, when because I did theatre studies A-level, and you have a practical, and so it, you don't want to let the rest of your group down by being absent. So no. I remember, like, not taking jobs um, when it sort of got to that, Kind of time, um, but everyone was really just sort of like chilled about it. There were boys that kind of played semi-pro football, and there was a Russian pop star there, and you know it was kind of anything goes. So it was quite nice. But I remember having to do choose which A levels I was doing, and because I did theatre studies, um, I didn't do art, which I would have loved to have done because it would have been like a week thing to do a degree. Right. Uh, and then in the end, I didn't apply for university because I just had no interest in... There was nothing I wanted to study. And wh- uh, what
0: did your parents think about this at the time? I
1: think probably disappointed. But because the work was coming at that point, there was very much the sense that, like, if it dries up, then I'll apply for drama school. And that was sort of enough of a, a thing. And, um, and I did a TV show that was the first time I sort of played my own age, like when I was 18. Yeah. And so that sort of helped bridge the gap between... I've been playing like 12 and 13 for a really long time and then suddenly I was sort of playing a young adult. So that sort of helped career-wise just bridge a kind of tricky gap.
0: And Did you feel at that point at 18 that the work was coming in so you thought, yeah, I am going to do this for yeah. a career? Was there never any doubt in your mind
1: never any doubt um the only things like now in hindsight is like exactly like there was definitely a period where suddenly everyone your age is getting out of drama school and they're new and they're fresh and they're really well trained and they're not and you know I was still making mistakes I mean we all you know still it's never are. perfect yeah no. um but there's loads of things that uh, and theater wouldn't really see me at all I never had any theater auditions and did you want to uh yeah. Um I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of a musical <laughs> and I think I would have been very happy doing that. Um but my agent at seventeen when I moved to a, a grown up agent, who's yeah. so still my agent now. Um he I remember sort of just sitting down and having a plan and it was kind of like, Okay, do your A levels and then and then we'll see and we think, you know, you're gonna be a serious actress and uh, so Pop no
0: that there, yeah that's where you are
1: um and actually i don't think that's where i sit as comfortably <laughs> <laughs> and um and i've sort of been fighting against that um a bit
0: uh it's funny you say that at that age you know you sit down and you make a plan because mm, you can't plan anything no in, in this business and you know always talked about it gets harder as you get older yeah and so thinking about making any sort of plan is yeah. kind of redundant yeah
1: and you just got to see what where you know where people want to employ you and if and where you sit and what you want to do and you can't possibly know people always go what do you want to do next and like, I don't know yeah because suddenly something will land in your inbox with a part that you would never have mm. imagined for yourself and also what and- a
0: ridiculous question because What do you mean, I've got no choice? Yeah. How do you feel about that, about that lack of choice?
1: Uh, Bad about it because I think it got drastically reduced, coincided with becoming a mum and being a woman in my 30s. Suddenly, the parts just weren't there. Um, They've been a a bit more there in theatre, but not uh, in TV, where I was sort of, you, really, since my late twenties, I would say so—a like good t- last ten years. Right. And um, and you sort of think, oh, it's because I'm I'm working in the theatre and I'm doing that. But actually, no, it's just they weren't there for me. And you sort of feel like, oh, I haven't got a place at the moment, and that's really weird.
0: How how do you cope with that?
1: Go um, and get drunk. <laughs> No, not anymore. It's one way. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. And I don't think Cramming I do cope hand. with it very well. But it is really frustrating. It's really frustrating. Uh, I find that all my male friends are always working and all auditioning for loads of stuff. Not all of them, but most of them. And so many girlfriends who are brilliant, who just don't even get the meetings anymore, let but, alone. But they used to. Yeah. And, um, Uh, And yeah, that's just quite a weird thing. And obviously, there are like you know there are loads of very successful women my age who are doing it all and uh, have been really lucky. And sometimes it's hard to forget about the thousands and hundreds of thousands of the other ones who aren't. Yeah. That it is just a handful.
0: And also, Um, when you're in that situation and you're looking at like your peers, all you can see. Is the the ones that are working, yeah. and the ones that yeah. are getting the meetings, and then you? F- it's very hard because you can get very insular about it, and Yeah. Um, it's sort of the sometimes worry kind of snowballs, and you can't. I could sometimes I can't stop. Th- you know when you yeah. start thinking about. I suppose the best analogy is you know when you're really really physically tired, yeah, in your dirty bed, right, <laughs> <laughs> and you you got i just wanna sleep, but you can't i have sometimes I have problems that I can't yes. switch my head off. I'm just constantly sort of racing, oh yeah, and the worry just can get out of control but I don't know, what do you do what what do you do where do you- i d-
1: i'm not i'm still still haven't figured that out. It's like what do you do in the downtime uh part of being a parent has been really liberated that. And also because the way I no think downtime. about, yeah. and uh, yeah, you've got stuff to do yeah. um, and you can kind of make the most of it. Like, but then you worry about money more because um, it's not just you. Yeah, And um, uh, uh, that's kind of helped me. It's helped me be more practical about work. Like I used to, I mean, work was 99% of my life and now it's, Forty percent, fifty percent. Because it's not about you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And but um, also, you,
0: you know, we've got bills to pay. Yeah. Food and needs s- to be put on the table.
1: Yeah. And um, and so and so, and suddenly your need is different, which is actually kind of nice, and it kind of takes the pressure off weirdly. Because actually, like, I can just call my agent and go, "I, I need a bit of cash," and I'll do a little episode of something, or you because know, that
0: kind because of it. then it, it ceases to become anything. From an artistic point of view, it's a, it's a financial thing, yeah. and it's just the same as going. Well, I need to go and get a quote unquote proper job, <laughs> and I'm, I, I, you know, I'm scanning in Sainsbury's or I'm, do, I'm doing something, yeah, because I need to bring in that money. Yeah, and I can't just not do anything. Yeah, how does that make you feel when you're doing something that is purely for? the financial reward do you are you quite clear about that I'm just doing this because it's money yes even though I don't particularly believe in it as as a as an
1: actor <laughs> yeah I <laughs> think that all, happens a lot
0: we've all been there. um
1: yeah oh god yeah but it, it, and it goes in waves because then it, pride and ego come into it quite a lot that's always the hardest thing he's like oh if I take this I remember I had I had that like, because I went back to work when my son was eight months old and I did a show in the West End, which was, I loved the show, um, uh, but I didn't have loads to do in it. So it was kind of perfect and it was manageable. And that was me. And I thought, oh, right, I'm back, back in the swing of it. And then after that, I didn't work for ages. For how long? Like, a, like eight, nine months. And then I, w- I think I went up for a TV thing that I'd read. The sort of breakdown, and it sounded like quite an integral part in the show. Auditioned on tape and then didn't hear anything. And then a couple of months later, got a call going, oh, that part you went for in that thing, you got it. And I was like, great. I then read the scripts and the part was tiny and nothing. And I thought, oh, God, what do I do? And I was like, I, I I need it. I need to do it. But at the same time, it felt like I'd taken 30 steps back. Yeah. And you're suddenly like, oh, God, but then you don't want to be seen as, like, that person, but at the same time, you just needs to... Anyway, you know, just fucking swallow your pride and get on with it. <laughs> and actually, just working... I'm always just better when I'm working. And it doesn't actually matter. And I've been doing it too long. And there's always, like, mates there, people that you've worked with before, and it's kind of all right. And you kind of also have the excuse of, like, yeah, I just need need the money.
0: But I think people do know that nowadays. Yeah. And, you know, especially... When you've been doing it, probably that as long as I mean you've been doing it a lot longer than I have. <laughs> but decades, darling. It's it's people know, don't they? You go, well, we've got to do it because yeah. you've got to. And I think I learned very quickly. Yeah, swallow, leave that pride <laughs> and ego. <laughs> don't fucking even bring that. Yeah, onto set, it's not welcome, and it's yeah. not good for you. It's not good for you mentally. No. Because then, you know, I talk about worry, that's, that's going to come yeah. and play around with the worry. And
1: also, the nice thing about it is that you don't have to... If you've got a big part in something where you're carrying, you're shouldering a bit of the responsibility, the pressure of that and then family life at home and trying to juggle those things and kind of going and deliver at work and trying to deliver at home is is pretty tough. So at least if you're not... You know, if you're doing a little spit in a cough and something, you can just turn up and enjoy it and just... I loved te- just being. You know, I just love being on set. I, I love take being it for around what the it people. Is. Yeah, and it- that's it's always like each job. There's been, you know, I've had some like great parts that I've adored and loved doing. But the things that I remember are like that best mate that I met on that, or those hilarious people, or, or that
0: little story that was <laughs> yeah. just before a take. Yeah. What was it like going back to work after becoming a mum? Especially, I mean, I know you said going back to the. Cause I wanted to talk about doing theatre when you're a mum. Yeah. Because that's got to be tricky.
1: Yeah. It. It. Uh. The tricky bit of that. Was I, I was desperate to go back to work. Oh, I wanted well, to yeah. be. I wanted to be the mum that was like breastfeeding between takes <laughs> and like doing <laughs> all of that. I mean, friends of mine that have done that would probably be like, "No, you really fucking don't want to be that that woman."
0: Um, it's funny because you do hear about some women who go, "I don't. Oh no, I don't want to go back to work now. Yeah this this is it. Now this is yes. it. This, this is it for me." Were you yeah. ever worried that that would change for you? <laughs>
1: No, I think I probably feel a bit guilty that I didn't (coughs) do that or part of me feels guilty that. um, But it was also, I think uh, as well, I was a bit naive to how much uh, baby does change your life. And actually it did me good that I didn't have the excuse of going to work. And actually being at home and being around uh, was the best thing for me. And my little boy yeah and um uh but going back at eight months he he luckily weaned himself off the boob um because that was a big panic like what do you do about feeding them and um and he was sort of on quite a sort of rigid nap thing that i just wrote out like sides of a4 like a mental person for the grannies. To contend with, um, and his dad.
0: Were you Um, having family around? Because do you sort of live near your family?
1: Yeah, I moved. I moved to the opposite side of London quite a long time ago from from my mum, who I love. Um, But uh, she now uh, has moved nearby and is on hand, which is great. That's brilliant for you. He has, um, yeah, because even even with that help. Uh, the amount of money on nursery or an au pair we had for a year while I was doing a play, and um, it's so much money all the time.
0: Um, and also, if you're going back to do theatre, it's not the most financially no, rewarding no. thing, and if you're paying, you're paying to do that job. Yeah. Which is sort
1: of what I'm about to start doing. <laughs> so oh, like, are you? Yeah, and it's just these agonising uh, decisions that you make when you're offered work, and it's so strange to me. Even now, I think we're so not used to feeling like we can say no to things, and um, and this is a great part in a great play. But for no money, and I've got a month away out of London. Right. I'm just going. Can I? Can I make this work? And, um, and luckily, one of the other actresses and the director both have small children. So, sort of between us, I think we can sort of support. And and the director has had a, a, amazing conversations with us about what we need, what time, you know, rehearsals, having shorter days so that they can do drop-offs and pickups and all of that kind of thing. And That's it just brilliant. changes everything. Well,
0: so many people don't think about that being a working parent, no. especially having one so young. Yeah, they just. Oh, we don't, they, don't, yeah. they don't take it into consideration at all. So how fantastic that, yeah. that, that he's got that mindset already.
1: Yeah. Um, It's it's kind of knowing what to ask for, and uh, which is the most <clears throat> difficult thing, and especially the first time you're a parent with a young child, because also it changes week by week. They're a bit different and their needs are different. Yeah. So you never really know what you need to be doing. But I've <clears throat> been... The jobs that I have done where I've gone... Uh, yes, I'll do it, but I need to finish at five every day. Mm. It's like, fine, no problem. And usually they're dealing with, you know, another cast member that's already in another show that has to have matinees off and all that kind of thing. And, like, suddenly it's a bit of juggling for everyone. But it's all possible. Yeah. If people feel like they can ask for it. But
0: they should be, they should ask. And they should Mm. feel that they should ask. And... If they're in in that situation where they can't ask, that's not the situation they should be in. No. And I know it's terrifying sometimes. And you just pitched in there something about, you know, oh, do I say no to certain things? Yeah. I'm a big believer in that it is healthy to say no to certain things. Yeah. Because if your gut is going, I'm just not... But I know I need to do it. Yeah. And then again, if I do it, it's going to make me really unhappy. Yep. So therefore, it makes me unhappy. It makes everybody who's around me unhappy because I'm no good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's always that.
0: There's a massive, there's a massive off, isn't there? Yeah. So what do you do in those situations? Are you good at saying no?
1: No, I am not really. I'm so indecisive at, at, at the best of times that it's so. Um, I'm constantly, even b- before being a parent, I was like this. These sort of jobs that come in, that you know. Suddenly go on the table, and you, and it's just its not a clear yes or no because there's sort of good and bad things about them,
0: or but it's good to weigh up, isn't it? It's yes, good to weigh things up and yeah. look at things, you know, the for and against.
1: Yes, I've had the few times in my life where I've tried to do like the courageous thing and say no on, on the off chance of waiting for something else, it's always gone very badly for me, so I've sort of gone a bird in the hand, yeah, just. Get on with it, and then you don't know what you're missing. What
0: well, are you? Uh, well, if I wasn't doing it, what would I be doing?
1: Yeah.
0: Sometimes it's you know it's nice as a parent. It's nice to go to work to have a bit of a break.
1: Oh my god! Well, this is the thing, Craig. This is it. yeah. This is it. That is literally. I, it's like oh my god! I remember the first time like going on the tube to rehearsals and just having a coffee and not carrying like a bag full of nappies oh, and stuff. And just only having to remember my own stuff.
0: Yeah. I
1: was like, oh, wow. And um, But then, you know, it goes so quick, and now I'm already at the stage where my son's going to go to school in September. It's nuts. And then suddenly he's just going to be gone, and I'm going to be like, what am I, I going to do? I'm unemployed, just sat there, washing bed sheets, which I will have time for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you ever, you know, when you were pregnant, did you have... Any worries about becoming a mum and also continuing working?
1: Ah. Interesting question. Um I I found <laughs> I found out I was pregnant uh because I was so desperately hungover one <laughs> day. I was like, this isn't normal. <laughs> and um and I found that I was seven weeks pregnant. And um I I'd been drinking a lot of red, I had a like, craving for red wine, yeah. clearly, when I was pregnant. And, um, uh, and then I was, I'd been offered a job that I'd done in the West End, um, the play Blythe Spirit with Angela Lansbury. And um, I had an amazing time and they were doing a North American tour of it. Right. And it was like starting in November and going through till March the next year. And, um, and it was going to be like two months in LA, a bit in San Francisco, a week off, uh, Toronto for three weeks, and then Washington. And it was before the 12-week scan and all of that, but I sort of was like, well, I, I know this part, I can do this part, I can do this part pregnant, um, that's what I'll do. So I said yes to the job, and then I think I had the 12-week scan the day before I flew to LA, and um, got out there, and we were sort of talking, and I thought, well, I should... Tell them I was going to say so you, not, you can, haven't
0: told them yet.
1: No, and it was that weird thing of like you don't want to tell them before it's official because it can all go wrong. Exactly. And um, and I also, you know, I thought, you know, they they most of them know me. It's all okay. I think I told the lead actor, um, who you know was fine and didn't think anything of it. And um, and uh, and I told them so that because they were about to start casting the understudies, and I was like. So you know.
0: You'll be going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Cast someone. <laughs> You'll be going on. And um they uh and also because I thought uh, tell the costume so that we can like make some refinements to the costume. Yeah. And it was for whatever reasons, none of it went very well in terms of communication. I think I didn't really know what my rights were. Um and I didn't have, I didn't sit down with the right people and sort of talk about how we could do it. And also that weird thing of not knowing if you're going to be really sick and not knowing if, yeah. you know, all those things. And actually, I'd never been better in my entire life because I was, wasn't drinking, I wasn't hungover. <laughs> uh, my memory was like, and, um. Those lines
0: were just coming out. <laughs>
1: um. And uh, and I felt brilliant. And were they worried, kind of, like
0: insurance wise? I think
1: so. And I'm, and the thing is, I should have been a bit savvier about that, and and sort of talked to them about that, and just sort of just sort of been handled better by me and by them, really.
0: Yeah, but this has never happened to you before. So how are you supposed to know what, no, what the best thing to do is?
1: And it's again, it's still that thing where it's all a little bit taboo, and it's all a little bit. And I think even now it's probably a bit different or maybe it's just because I, I would handle it very differently yeah. another time. But the great thing was is that I did manage to uh, not let them kick me out oh, so for did, as long as possible. So you did, did you do so the a toll? About, no. Um, I went home early. And even though in principle I was really upset and angry about it, in reality I was... Ready because I was suddenly quite big. Yeah. Um, and was this?
0: We, you said you left. Sorry to interrupt. Were you? Yeah. Were you told? <laughs> to
1: leave? N- no, they sort of. Uh, the, <laughs> I, I really loved them all, and uh, uh, just pra- just was, preface that now. Yeah. yeah. Um, they brought my English understudy, who had understudied me in the West End, out blew her out and they were like she's here you have to go really it's time so I wasn't the choice was sort of taken away but they didn't sack me so they didn't do anything Mm, legally wrong and in the end it was for the best yeah it's just that it wasn't very nice
0: no Um, but in hindsight (laughs) definitely the best even though not at the time obviously but especially for you and your boy. Yes. Definitely the best thing to do. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, and then I sort of went home and was big and fat for a couple of months and, and then gave birth and it was all lovely. And also, I mean, actually, the person who suffered the most was my American understudy, who had been cast and then never got to go on. Oh, God, um, yeah, of course. But it was Mel who had understudied me in London. It was great because she got three weeks playing the part and that's the first time that i think i've sort of seen read conversations about actresses and i think it happened recently in the last like six months where two actresses shared a role because they had young children or were pregnant or whatever it is and i was like that's what we need that's like we should definitely have more of that and um because then you get you know you're you can you've got the opportunity to earn a bit of money um
0: and also be at home when you need to be yes
1: but but get you know not be working yourself to the bone or have a bit of flexibility and time at home as well and that that whole experience is what i sort of went ah yeah that's the that's the way to make it work
0: that's really interesting that really should happen more Mm. especially in i mean obviously in theater obviously (laughs) be a bit odd if we were doing it on telly (laughs) Uh, i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure no editing could get around when
1: suddenly someone else is playing a character yeah is that a different person
0: (laughs) but in theater that's an absolutely fantastic idea I wonder why they do that. I wonder if they do that more in America. Would they do that in America?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Was your... You know, we were talking ages ago uh, about you being an only child. Yeah. What do you think about having your son and how do you feel with him?
1: Um, I, he's, he's a very... I imagine he's quite a different child to me. Like, he's much more outgoing um, and very, I mean, he's still very young, but he's, they've got that amazing kind of like, just no self-awareness in the sense that they're just sort of like free and he's always just like making friends and stuff. And, um, and so I don't worry about him I in do. that respect, but I worry, I worry about the responsibility that he may feel at some point, just carrying everything. Cause I think only children can that can be a, a factor
0: from your own experience yeah
1: um and you'll be you know you're the, the only one i mean obviously like loads of people some people don't speak to any of their siblings some people don't you know it, it doesn't mean doesn't guarantee anything it really
0: doesn't because you can see big families and it's like well none of them speak to any, each other yeah and even when they're growing up none of them got on yeah so it's and, that is, there's a for and against, yeah. really, isn't there?
1: Also, like, everything, everything to do with parenting, you're always going to get it wrong.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's like,
1: whatever you do, however you do it, there'll always be the, <laughs> the flip side of it.
0: Do you ever look at other parents and go, look at them, they've got it all sewn up? They yeah. know what they're doing?
1: I, I have a few actor friends with sort of, like, older children, and their children just want to hang out with them and do stuff, and
0: that's what I want.
1: I, want, I don't want oh, my don't son to that. be really that, embarrassed That could be quite
0: annoying. Go on, go on play mates. <laughs> mate. Going, she's going to the pub, look at her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I'm going to end things. I'm not going to end it abruptly, just like that. But <laughs> it's all, what I always find so fascinating with doing these podcasts is when I get people on who I've never met before. Yeah. And they, we've never met before. You always come across to me, especially when I've. Oh yeah, there's Jemima Rupan in a photo. You always seem very happy. <laughs> you, no, do you know what I mean? You've always, got, you've yes. always got a smile on your face. Are you happy? Um, <laughs> there we go. No, end. Right.
1: I'm actually sobbing. Um, uh, yeah, yes, I am. Um, I think a lot of it is a is a learned like outward thing. Like I always I've always loved like say for instance going on set. Yeah. And going to work and getting on with it. And being nice to work with is really important to me. In fact, more important I think privately I worry about my own performances and that I could have done that better. I could have done that, you know. And um but outwardly the most sort of important thing is to be nice to be around, and uh, especially when you're going into these intense environments, and you have to forge fun- these yeah. forge
0: these relationships like super quick. You're yeah. in,
1: and um, I think like again, <laughs> becoming a parent has really like blown blown off all the armor and I'm sure this happens to so many people and at different points in our lives where we all you know you grow up and you put on all these things that you need to put on to sort of get by yeah and then certain things happen to you and and for me yeah being becoming a mom suddenly like blew everything off and it's really nice, but I'm sort of like much less afraid of showing emotions and being and having a shitty day and having, you know, all of that and being a bit more honest about how I'm feeling. Um, but yes, I am always, I will always choose to laugh.
0: And be positive. More.
1: Yeah. And just have a nice time. So I am it? a giggler. No shit. Yeah, it got really, it's gotten really bad on in theatre. <laughs>
0: Oh, God, really?
1: <laughs> it used to be really serious. It was actually on One Man, Two Governors. And uh, we'd finished at the National and we went on this little tour before we went into the West End. And um, and I remember the band said to me one night we were out for drinks and they were just like, Jamarami, you're so good. Because we see when James Corden <laughs> is, like, trying to make you laugh and is whispering stuff and is doing this with your prop and, like, doing whatever and you never crack. And I was like, "That's because my character can't can't crack next night we're doing the show and I caught one of their eyes when that was the exact scenario was going on and I just creased up and I couldn't and after that I was just <laughs> like but I mean literally I mean we, oh God we I mean that was a long job and so we all went a little bit mad at certain points but there was there have been points and um uh and I did uh, a trilogy of plays uh, a year ago With Sarah Hadland and uh, and Johnny Broadbent, and there was like six of us in the cast, and we had like open dress rehearsal with all the like the fund fundraising people from Chichester (laughs) Theatre. And we just couldn't get through. We just oh couldn't God. do it. Couldn't talk. Couldn't see our lights because we were laughing so much. And you feel like the biggest cunt in the world that you're being paid to do a job and you can't even speak also, properly because you're a, just pissing it's about. It's a
0: horrendous feeling because... I love said, it. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little bit like being told off when you're at school yes. and you can't stop laughing. <gasps> so you've got this cold sweat that kind of comes on and you're going, this is horrific. I'm yeah. going to get through this. And you're pissing your pants laughing. Yeah.
1: And I think I'm always a bit on the brink of that and there's always a bit, and maybe sometimes it is sort of nervousness or awkwardness that makes me giggle. But like I recently had uh, with a director and we were talking about a sex scene and she, she, she spoke about a very sensual woman and she was trying to direct the scene and she was getting, and she, she, she was helping me and this other woman like do something and, and she said, you know, where do you want to touch each other? And I sort of made out, a boob joke. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I think you're trying to make us feel more comfortable. I'm only really comfortable if I'm laughing about this, because I don't know about you, but I find sex really funny. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of, that's it.
0: Jemima, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah. I was really I'm really worried that I'm going to be in my boring, you're, boring interview. You're
0: absolutely not. It was brilliant. I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you. I loved it. And another episode is done. What an absolute joy Jemima was. I mean, she is a laugh and we had a really, really good natter. I hope you enjoyed that. I bet you did. Um, Well, I don't know. I I mean, I'd I'd like to think you did. I can't second guess, can I? You might have hated it. Who knows? But I want to say thank you for downloading and subscribing. I know, look, how many podcasts out there now? Everybody's bloody starting a podcast. So the loyal listening community that we have, and also the new people that come on board. Buddy, every day, thank you so much. If this is your first podcast, go and have a look. There's there's now 80 episodes to choose from. Of course, there's actors, there's musicians, there's poets, there's writers, there's all sorts of people. There's artists, Pete McKee's fantastic episode. Or maybe you want to go back to number one. You want to go back to Vicky McClaw and you want to just go through it all week by week, do that. You can do that. That's fine. You want to binge it? Absolutely fine. Um, So, yeah, really grateful for everybody that's joining us. And the messages, the emails that we get, I got a lovely one this morning from somebody who just listened to Lorna Nixon-Brown's episode, and she could really relate to that episode, and it really helped her. She was having a bit of a struggling time, and she asked if we could forward the email on to Lorna. And I think it's really important that guests who come on realise what effect their episodes have on on you, on, on, on us, the listening community. So I did have forwarded that email on to Lorna. Um, right, I'm going to start waffling. If you're not subscribed, just hit the subscribe button. Please do me a favour. I don't say this every week, do I? I hope not. Please rate and review us. Do whatever you want to do, that I'd be grateful. I've, I was just on iTunes not so long ago reading some lovely reviews. So, thank you to all the new March reviewers. And um, go tell a mate, tell three mates. Uh, yeah, that's it. I'm going to go. Have I got anything else? No, I don't think so. 19 episodes away from the big 100th episode. What are we going to do? Send me some ideas, send me some guests make it special until next week look after yourself give yourself a break I've been Craig Parkinson he's been producer Griff and this has been the two shot podcast take care the two shot podcast is presented by me Craig Parkinson recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for splicing block our music our brilliant music is courtesy of then thickens